Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Project Egg, the number one podcast for educating and inspiring entrepreneurs to turn their dreams into reality. Today, we are sitting with the wonderful, the masterful, the state of flow genius, Clay Green. How you doing today, Clay? Hey, what's going on? Ben? My, uh, my uh, website, my... Uh my internet is acting choppy all of a sudden. Hopefully, it'll catch up. I'm doing great. How are you doing, Ben? It's good to see you, man. Doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. So, Clay, let's jump right in and let's jump right in strong. My first question for you today is what is your story? Wow. Uh, <laughs> my story. My story starts in Alabama. I was a small white boy born in Alabama. And... Um, <laughs> Fastly, really quickly. You guys have all seen Forrest Gump, right? The next step is I graduated high school, kind of like Forrest Gump. Uh, I wasn't a, a football scholarship guy, but I got out of that Alabama high school and I got into the Navy, the U.S. Navy. After the U.S. Navy, um, I'm sorry, in the U.S. Navy, I became a nuclear reactor operator. Now, the point of that and the reason that I share the Alabama situation with the nuclear reactor is that I was basically an average student, but then all of a sudden, not only did I make it through the school of being a nuclear reactor operator, which less than half the people do, I was hand-selected um, to be an instructor. Less than 1% of the people that make it through the school are picked to be an instructor. So I killed it, crushed it. Um, and look, back then, I only knew that I didn't want to go to sea. I wanted to be on shore duty as long as I could. And so I did my best to secure that selection process, to go through that selection process and be that guy. Then I got out of the Navy, and I spent the next 10, 15, 15, 20 years working in the semiconductor manufacturing industry, meaning making the computer chips, putting the chips together together, like at a sub at, at an atomic and subatomic level, so that we could have this technology right now. The whole time I was an adult trainer, and the whole time I was trying to build a business, and the whole time I never could get it done. I never could actually get that business built, yeah. and it was frustrating. It was annoying. It was. Um, one of those sad parts of my life, I guess, where I kept trying, kept trying, kept trying, and I couldn't get it done. And then I hit the deer. Um, we're not going to go into that story hopefully too much today. I don't think we are today, but long story short, I was going 85 miles an hour on my motorcycle, and a deer struck me from the side. I can tell the details of the story, but anybody that I talk to that has had an incident like this or has ridden a motorcycle, they understand this. I should have crashed. I should have died, but I didn't. I didn't even crash. A couple days later, I found a book. Now, keep in mind, I've been trying to build a business my whole life. I've been a subatomic physicist. I've been teaching people how to manage subatomic particles and complex electromechanical systems motorcycles, snowboarding. I've been teaching all this stuff. And then I found this one book and that one book kind of put it all together for me. And it told me the reason that I did not crash was because of the way my brain was operating. That wow. 
that got me to realize everything and that everything is that your brain and Ben, I'm talking to you and I'm talking to myself and I'm talking to everybody listening or watching this. Your brain is the single most important thing on this planet. It's the single most powerful thing on this planet. And so I've spent the last five and a half, six years now or so teaching people how to use this thing better and better and better and better to achieve higher and higher levels of success and happiness and uh, thrill in their lives, if you will. Yeah. Wow. So let's jump back into your younger days. Uh, what was it like growing up in Alabama? What sort of family uh, life did you have growing up? Okay. Um, it's interesting because I love the timing. I love how things work out. Right now, I'm in a very small town near Nashville, Tennessee, where my father's family moved to after he got married. So he moved out of the house, and then his family relocated here. What that basically means is I'm kind of surrounded by uncles and aunts or aunts, hit my father's brothers and sisters. So I'm actually kind of diving back into that. Um, my... If anyone's read Outliers, my family history is of those of the of the Appalachian story that's in that book. My family history is Scottish, so my dad is a very tough love kind of guy, or was was. As we age, we all get a little softer, a little happier. Um, I was I was basically raised that I was not doing it right. You're doing it wrong. And, and, and there was very few times when I ever did something right. Very few times where I actually was able to achieve something that was good, if that makes sense. Does that does that answer the question? I have. Yeah. I can tell you the specifics. The two sisters. I'm the oldest. Mom, dad. One of the questions I like to ask people is, "What did your?" parents do what did your mom and dad do for at, at about one year old for money for example ben's parents and my parents did very different things and i'm stressing when i was one year old my parents were my dad was a factory worker ben's was a was a business owner so they did very different things and i'm but i want to point out that i'm talking when i was when you're one when you're like born until about two one and a half the way that those around us see the world at that time dramatically impacts your brain more than more than we know more than science can even tell us like they know that it's more than they know so i guess ben that's kind of what i've i that's where i've focused now i know I know now that I'm doing enough and I know now how important it is to master the mind and, and rewire and retrain my brain in ways that I want it retrained. Does that make absolutely. sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, 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 yeah. So as you're, as you're growing up and you have these influences in your life, what do your core values look like at that age? I, and it's, I know it's difficult to, to really identify them and, and really think back, but 
uh, if you could kind of put your finger on where was your mindset in it this time? Which, which time? What age? Growing up there. into high school. Into high school. Wow. That's interesting. At that young age, I wasn't, I, it was, it was where my mind was, was I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. I've got to try harder. And that, 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 that wraps up my, my family, my youth, my, 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 my home situation that wraps up my in school peers situation. I was I was confused. I was scared. I was uh, yeah, Did, yeah, alone, alone, and not enough. How do you think that impacted you as a person, having that mindset and having those feelings? Well, uh, I could point all kinds of examples where thanks to the experiences I had I learned I learned how to work hard I learned how to apply myself I had I, I, now nowadays we all know it ADHD I had ADHD my sister had dyslexia, but we didn't know, right? We didn't, we didn't understand it back then. We're talking about, this is back in the early, late, mid seventies to mid eighties. And um, that was before all this information was available. So instead of being accepted as somebody that sees the world differently, we were, we were shunned. We were, we were the outcasts. We were wrong. We were bad. And right now, I'm really thankful, I guess, because the that translates. I have a saying. I say, don't stare at the poop. <laughs> so I could look at that, and I could be angry, and I could be upset, or I could look at it, and I could say, why? What was the gift? And I think I'm an incredibly empathetic person. I think it's turned me into the world's best trainer in anything I decide to train. My numbers are incredible. If I, if I look back at what I did either in the Navy or after when I was a professional trainer and you look at all the evaluations and all that stuff, I was really, really good. And I am really, really good at that. And I think that is a direct result of everything I went through. So as you, as you were going through high school and you made it through high school, how did you make the decision to then go to the Navy? What was that decision-making process like? <laughs> well, uh, one of my uncles, not my dad's, but my mom's brother, John, he went into the Navy. When I was junior high, maybe I don't know. He was, you know, in his early twenties. He went into the Navy and he was active duty Navy, and he was the cool uncle. You know, he played football. 
he he had a 1968 Camaro Rally Sport as his one of his you know his 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 his, his badass car when he was a senior and just after that convertible it was beautiful um he was that cool uncle so i was influenced there so when i was in high school actually ben that whole um, work ethic that i talked about i actually joined the u.s navy and went to boot camp between my junior and senior year of high school so that high school time i wasn't a nuclear reactor operator then but imagine I was one of the kids. I literally went to boot camp between junior and senior. I was a 17-year-old kid, um, and and I went. When I left, I had 1970s feathered hair with a mullet, <laughs> and I came back, and I was bald. If you look at my senior year senior picture and yearbooks and stuff, buzzed head because it took those really early in the school year, and I had just gotten back from boot camp. Um the decision to join the Navy at that time was so that I would have money for college. So I graduated high school and uh, went to college and <laughs> really, really quickly realized that I was not ready or committed to doing anything in college, but meeting girls. Um, and then I did the normal Alabama thing. I fell in love and I, got a girl pregnant. I moved in with a beautiful lady and I got a girl pregnant. I had my amazing, beautiful daughter. And as we realized where we were and what I was doing and what we were doing for money and revenue, we decided it wasn't enough and we were in trouble. And I didn't like where my life was going and I wanted to change my life. And so I was going to join the Navy and I was going to be an explosive ordnance disposal technician. I wanted to be just below the seals. I didn't want to go like be a bullet catcher. I wanted to be a highly technical, but physically fit guy. And my uh, wife at the time and I went down to the recruiter's office one day and I was in the reserve. So I was already in the Navy. So I was going to go active. That's what I was going to do. It wasn't a big step. Um, and so the, the recruiter slid across the piece of paper that said, here's how much you get when you graduate nuclear power school, which was the nuclear training. And that made that decision. My wife said, oh, no, you're doing this, not that other thing. <laughs> <laughs> I left a few weeks later and... Um, and it was that there's a huge bunch of adventure that I can tell you about just in that nuclear power school in that process. There's so many miracles that happen uh, that, that kept me on this path, that connected these dots and made it, you know, these dots that kept drop these dots kept dropping that I had no idea why, what was going on. But now, man, I'm so thankful and I'm so proud. And I know you're going through some stuff now, Ben, at some point you're going to be able to look back and you're going to just celebrate every dot the highs and the lows and the highs and the lows you're going to celebrate every one of them and be so thankful for them i am so so let's jump into that what were those significant uh moments in your life as you were going through that training Ben, there's literally too many to talk about um 
there was this moment. It was actually right before the training. I had to. Uh, so I was in the Navy Reserve. And I was going to go active duty. And I was going to go into the nuclear pipeline. There are three jobs that nuclear trained personnel have. One of those jobs is so bad that you can volunteer for it. It's like most people don't want to be this job. The other two jobs, you can't, you can say, hey, I want to be one of these guys. But the way that it works is when you enroll in this program, you say, I don't care which one of those three jobs. I would like the good one. This is my second choice. That's my least favorite choice. And they're going to stick you wherever they want to stick you. So, so I can volunteer for the bad one. Or I can go in and I can roll the dice. And, and, and of course, that one great job is the least populated. There's less of us than there are other people. So I signed my life away for the next six years knowing that I was rolling the dice. So the first step in this process, when you go from being a Navy reservist to going active duty Navy, is you have to go through basically a, a one-week training program to say, hey, you're active duty. <laughs> you got to know all this basic stuff. And it gives them another about a month-long process where you basically get in the right systems and they deal with all the paperwork and all that stuff. So I was in this kind of holding moment. And it was before the school started. The trick is, I didn't know what kind of uniform I needed to buy. So before I show up for this school, in order to be in the right uniform, I need to be, I need to know what I'm going to, what job I'm going to be in. So my orders came and they basically said, go to school. They didn't tell me which school. So I start making phone calls. It took me about an hour and a half to get the right person on the phone. And that guys, ladies and gentlemen, real quick, think about this. This is not a cell phone I'm using, right? This is a, there's a thousand people in this barracks and there's maybe a hundred phones where there's a thousand plus people all trying to do the same thing I'm doing. So I got to wait in line for hour hours to get to the phone to be able to call this one person that's doing the same thing for a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of different jobs and it's a it's it's a bureaucracy nightmare so finally get the right person on the phone and when i say an hour and a half i mean i'm on the phone asking who do i need to talk to not me go to this department there's another half hour on the phone waiting not me go to this department finally i get the right person on the phone and they tell me ben Tell me all people going through the process you're going through, going from Navy Reserve to active duty, all of them are assigned the bad job. Oh, no. I cannot tell you, like that basically meant for the next six years of my life, I'm going to be in shit. For the next six years of my life, I'm going to be unhappy. The next six years of my life, I'm going to be, I don't, and then they told me, you didn't even have a chance. There is nothing you can do. 
never mind. I was, I was, I was supposed to be going to college, right? They just decided you're not good enough because you are a Navy veteran, because you are a reservist, because you came active duty through that path. You're not good enough. You have to go because this is the simple job also, right? You have to take the basic class and you can go and be this basic thing. You're not enough. Ben, I'm the only person that I've ever met that did what I'm about to tell you I did. I basically said, please, no. I have a wife. I have a kid. I'm not going to fail out of school. This lady spent an hour and a half, another hour and a half on the phone with me. So I'd spent, I'd, finding this lady was an hour and a half. I spent another hour and a half on the phone of her telling me you're going to fail. You're not going to get through this school. And I'm me saying, oh, no, that's not an option. I'm going to get through this school. Finally, I heard her asking her supervisor, literally, this is, again, this, they didn't have a mute button, right? I heard, and I don't know if she, was, she had to be on a headset even back then. I heard her saying, is this possible? Can we do this for him? I think he'll make it. She's trying to convince somebody else because I had convinced her that I wanted this. I needed this. I could do this. Finally, she comes back and says, okay, we're sending out an order modification. You're going to go through electronics training school. I not only got through that school, but I, I was, like I said, handpicked as less than 1% of the people that get through the school to stay and teach others. That's, that's a life-changing conversation right there, Ben. That was, that's a direction of life, brother. That was a big deal. I mean, that was, that was a struggle where, and, and the school, there was one week where I did not put in at least 40 hours after school studying. So their school was eight hours a day. And then I studied at least 40 hours a week, every week outside school hours. Why do I know that? Because you had to log in because everything was confidential. You had to log in, go to a special room and study in the special desk, in the special way, in a special place. So I knew that I, I put in the effort, man. I busted my ass. There's, this is, it was two years of school. At the end of that school, they hand you a written test. And that written test, I don't know what the failure rate is, but that written test kicks so many people out. The comprehensive because it tests everything back to day one. So yeah, it was challenging. <laughs> that, that little, that nuclear power thing was a little challenging, Ben. <laughs> so yeah. as you're going through this process, and you're learning about nuclear power and you're studying, you're putting in all these hours, you're doing it a very certain way, you've just gotten this chance. How does that impact you as an individual? How does that shift, if at all, your core values and your mindset? You know, Ben, I can't say 
that time that it did. Obvi obviously, obviously, it changed so much, right? But, and, and this is the message that I want to share with everybody. It's like right now you might be going through the crappiest thing you've ever experienced. But again, you're going to look back and you're going to go, oh, I get it. And that's, that's what happened when I hit that deer and I read that book. And then I started putting together the pieces, the dots, and I realized, I realized what they did. They taught me how to learn. They taught me, they, they taught, they were using the state of flow back then. They were using techniques. They didn't understand why or how, but they were using techniques to teach people that were the most that are the, that are the most they're doing it today that are the most advanced the most cutting edge not because guess what i was using i was using a pen and paper actually i think it was pencil most of the time i like writing with a pencil because it felt more tactile i don't do that anymore it was it was back then but it's the most basic stuff but how you apply it is so vital. And so it took me another 20 years, 25 years, 20 years after I was out of the Navy to figure out what they were teaching me then and how it changed me and how it affected me and how much of a gift it was that I can now share. And I'm so, I'm so thankful. I don't, I, I, that didn't answer question on values and stuff, but, but that's what's going on, man. It's just, yeah, the fruits are there. So, the fruits are there. so as you're moving from student to instructor, <laughs> then you, then you move into the uh, semiconductor space where you're, you're working with all this technology and you're, you're uh, learning so much about this. And you're also at the same time becoming a trainer, how did you do that chronologically? What were the steps that you took from the nuclear to these new different paths of your life? So when I was hand-selected hand as less than 1% that finished the school were as to be a staff pickup instructor. And what that basically looked like, just like, every, just like the whole nuclear pipeline, they had a process. And they put you through the process to to train me and test me and certify me as a nuclear qualified nuclear regulatory commission board of you know the nuclear navy you can't there is no higher more rigorous attention to detail focused certification process let's put it that way because, I mean, I'm operating a nuclear reactor on a submarine a thousand feet under the water. You cannot make a mistake. Period. So, and, and I'm training. So, so, that, so to answer your question, I was trained by the Navy through their process on how to instruct people the most effective, efficient way possible. And I killed it. People, because in the in in the Navy world, in the nuclear Navy world, 
the way you learning takes place is you go through some classroom stuff. Then you go and you actually touch the equipment and you get trained how to, how to physically do everything. And we're talking about nuclear power. We're talking about freaking nuclear reactors. So you can imagine once it explodes, it doesn't explode, but it makes really bad things happen. (laughs) It's like the opposite. Anyway, we won't go there. You can picture an explosion if you want to. Sure. But it's bad. Um, Where was it going? Okay, so then once you've been trained enough, you go get what's called a checkout. And what a checkout is, Ben, you'd be the expert. And I would come to you and I would say, hey, Ben, I think I'm ready to get checked out on this water bottle system, for example. And that basically means, Ben, can you spend the next half hour asking me every hard question, every technical detail, everything you can imagine to ask me to prove to me that I'm not good enough to prove to me that I don't know this water system. So it's almost like a freaking knockdown drag out ballroom brawl. I come to you and I say, Ben, I'm ready. I know everything I need to know about this bottle. And you spend the next half hour up to Days. This checkout, this one checkout might last a week. I'm focused on nothing but this bottle system because you keep asking me questions that I don't know the answer to. What's the tensile strength of the thread on that screw? I mean, we're talking, you know, any day, anything's open. And so you spend the next half hour asking me questions, beating me up. And, and making sure I know what's going on. Because if you say, if you put your signature on my certification and then I go break the bottle, it's, it's your you. fault. It's your fault. So I'm that, I'm that guy. I'm that trainer. Well, there's, there was two pieces. There was two. There was, there, was the, there was the asshole trainers. And then there was the favorite trainers. I was one of the favorite trainers. The favorite trainers broke into two camps. One, they just sign stuff. They don't care. The other one is, if you want to learn something, go to these guys. I was one of those guys. I was the guy that you went to if you really, really, really wanted to be confident that you understood how that bottle system worked. And, and I was very popular in that role. There was a lot. There was, there was in hand, I, I would train people. I ended up being in the classroom. So then to, to, to tie the whole, so, so that's what I grew up in. And then my next career was I was a professional trainer for companies that would teach people how to use, and I would teach people how to use machines that the company built to make semiconductors. That was a lot less stressful in a lot of ways, like nobody, I say, I say that and I'm sorry, I'm kind of wrong. Well, no, if, if somebody in the Navy screwed up, thousands of people, tens of thousands of people could be affected. If somebody screwed up over here, they could probably die and maybe a couple dozen at the most because these machines we were dealing with had 
power supplies that were hundreds of thousands of volts and they had toxic gas and they're dangerous machines. So again, it was very important that people understood what they were doing when they went to work on these machines. But the, the stress level went down a little bit, let's put it that way. But once again, I was the favorite instructor. I was the guy that people, like, like Intel, for example, would send 20 people to come learn this machine. And we had class sizes of 10. So 10 people would be in one class and 10 people would be in another class. Everybody wanted to be in my class. Very few people, when, when other people found out they were over here, they were like, well, can I get in Clay's class? No. <laughs> so I was that guy. I was that really effective trainer. I'm, I'm proud of that. That's another one. Um, did that answer the question? Yeah, so it seems like you're, you're going through and you're getting a lot of experience training other people. Um, and at some point, you started your own business. Oh, no. When, <laughs> when did that happen? And what made you take the leap to start your own thing? Are we talking the last business or the first business? The first business. First business? I was walking around the neighborhood asking people if they wanted me to cut the grass. I actually remember in junior high school in seventh grade, maybe eighth grade, we had, uh, we had lockers. They were the skinny, you know, book lockers. That was basically, that maybe a jacket would fit in there. And because of the school crowding at the time, you had to share a locker. And these were little, you know, like half high lockers, like maybe three feet tall. And me and my locker mate, our dads knew how to use shop tools and stuff like that. So they built us. I can't remember if it, I thought it was my dad. He thought it was his dad. I recently caught up with this guy and, we, and I was like, wait, your dad did that? I thought my dad did that. Long story short, one of them built a shelf for us. And it was really simple. Four legs and four screws and a piece of plywood. Really simple. All of a sudden, all our classmates wanted one. For five bucks, we'd sell you a shelf. For 10 bucks, we'd sell you a shelf and we would install it. So seventh grade <laughs> was the first one. So Ben, the whole, the whole time I was an adult, most of my life as, as, as an adult, I've wanted my own business. I've tried everything from multi-level marketing companies to door-to-door to -door sales to... To, I, I, I thought about being an insurance salesman for a while. I, I, I tried to do a lot of different things to build my own business. I, I taught people how to ride motorcycles. I taught people how to ride snowboards. Um, none of them ever provided me enough income to survive. Until I hit the deer. That's, I think that's the point you're asking about, right? What's yeah. different? What happened? Mm -hmm. So the deer story is not a come to Jesus moment. I've had multiple of those in my life. What I mean by that is, is your proximity to, to mortality. That story. There's a story that's going to happen. There's a time in your life, all of us, when we really become intimate with the fact that we're going to die. 
It happened for me on a submarine. I remember this one situation on a submarine. There ended up being multiple <laughs> moments when I almost died on a submarine or in the Navy. And then there was multiple when I was on a motorcycle. So there's this, there's this moment where you're like, I'm probably going to die. I want to enjoy this ride. I want to do the right thing here. So that had happened. I'd been through that. Mm -hmm. And I was trying. I knew I wanted to build a business. I knew I wanted to be my own boss. So I tried and tried and tried and tried. Failed, failed, failed. I, I, to be honest with you, I'd given up. I'd given up. And I was working a 12-hour-a-day job where I would work three days one week and four days the next week. That meant each week I would either have four days off or three days off. And I was working night shift so I didn't have to deal with all the political bullshit the day shift had to deal with. <laughs> so, and I was living life. I was living life large. I was riding my motorcycle. I was having fun. I was probably making between 100 and 150 a year. Uh, had a beautiful home. Living, I was just happy. Um, and then Tara came in my life. Um, if you haven't found me, find me on Facebook. You'll find Tara, my partner. I've been with her for a decade now. She's the most incredible woman I've ever met. We can talk all day about her. I'll stop talking about her now. Except in that she had gone through her mortality moment. And she kind of realized she didn't want to work her job anymore. She wanted to build a business. And so she got interested in building a business. Two things happened at the same time. One, I found an online business class that lasted about six months. Specifically, it was a software as a service business class. She, she found it and she said that she wanted to do it. And I looked at it and I told her everything was going to change if we do this. And she still said yes. Cool. Literally about two months later when we were in the middle of that class, actually in the beginning of that class is when I hit the deal. And again, what I found out when I hit that deer was not, holy cow, I survived another near-death experience. I need to get serious because I was already serious. I was taking a class, trying to build a business, still working a job. I was hustling my butt off, trying to do everything right. What I realized after hitting that deer and reading one specific book, which, which isn't going to be a life transformational book for most people, what I read in that, but what I got out of that book was, Clay, here's all these dots in your life. Here's all these amazing experiences. All this stuff has led up to this point. You've got all this experience. You've got all this training. You've got all this expertise. And for the last month, you've been helping business owners with all that experience. Master your mind and do it for yourself. And that's when I started taking meditation and journaling. The base level habits that everybody tells you to do. That's when I started taking those serious. And I really became a brain guy. I really studied how my brain works and what was happening in all those dots and how all those dots affected my brain. And I picked one of those dots and I said, you know what? I didn't like what that did to my brain. I want to change it. And I learned how to change it. 
and I found another dot that didn't support what I wanted to do, and I got rid of that dot, and I found the dots that did support it, and now those dots are the forefront. And so I figured out how to manage this thing, and that's this, this brain. That's when everything changed. Fantastic. So when you're managing those dots and you're, you're hacking your brain in a way, is it possible to speed up that process with a teacher? If you had somebody to help guide you through that, is there a way to, to get there more effectively and in a shorter time than it took you to get there? Well, I, 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 there's two pieces of thing. There's two pieces there. Yes. That's the answer. Just duh, yes. And I did have teachers. I had teachers. I can look back and I can see. Matter of fact, that class that I was in, I, the founder of that class spent hours on, the, on a video call with me. And this was six years ago. I remember now him crying as I'm sitting there trying to explain how I couldn't do it. I wanted to do it, but I couldn't do it. And he was crying. At the time, I was pissed because he kept saying the same thing over and over. I was so angry. I understood what I needed to do, but I couldn't do it. I can connect this to my marriage, the first marriage that I had that fell apart. I can connect this to, to challenges I faced in high school, in nuclear power school. I can, I, can, I can point, I can connect the same story to a million experiences in my life where I knew what I wanted to do, but I just couldn't do it. In each case, I had somebody showing me, a teacher. That teacher was showing me exactly how to do it. And he was right. It's like you, you, you push the button here, the little pointy end comes out, and you put it on the paper, and you move it, and it leaves a mark. That's how you write. You know what I'm saying? They were telling me exactly how to do it. But it was a rare, rare, rare situation when I found that teacher that could explain to me why I couldn't do it. That teacher was rare. Looking back now, I know that those teachers that I had that were crying because I couldn't push that button the right way, those teachers were not crying. For They were crying because they were frustrated and sad that they couldn't help me. My message to everybody is this. Find your pony. Find the pony that works for you and ride it. If you're resonating with me, if you're resonating with Ben, if you're resonating with Joey, Sarah, Sam, Sally, Fred, I don't care. You find that pony that works for you and you ride it. Because that rare teacher that can connect with you and help you, 
to be the best you is a very rare thing. I've spent my entire adult life watching that process, experiencing other teachers bang their heads against the wall because they couldn't execute as good as I was. I could throw some stats out. I can throw some, some examples out about motorcycle riders. I can throw examples of nuclear reactor operators or snowboarders. Snowboarders are a good one, but nobody would really understand. Like, here it is for snowboarders. By the end of a four-hour lesson with me, people that the over 90% of the people that had never been, a, been on a snowboard in their lives, over 90% of them could successfully get off of a lift without falling down. That is unheard of. I think the closest, the closest competitor I had, now don't get me wrong, <laughs> there were some other really good instructors that were teaching me how to advance my snowboarding. They just didn't care about teaching people how to get off the lift good. But that was my job at the time. That was what I was focusing on. And I got so good at that that I over 90% of the people that I would take out for those four-hour lessons, over 90% of them could get off the lift without falling down. I was so proud of that at the time. But so, the point is, I'm really good at teaching people, but, but if you aren't vibing with me, don't click. If you aren't picking up what I'm putting down and you're like, who is this moron? It ain't gonna work. But if you're connecting, Hop on that pony and ride, man. <laughs> Go ahead, man. So, so for the people that are resonating with you and they see your, the experiences you've been through and they see the path that you've been on and they want to know, why am I not become like, why am I not successful right now? Why, why do I know what to do, but I'm unable to do it? They're tired of hitting that, that wall. What vehicle do you have available for them right now? Ben, you're going to have to remind me. Did I poke you in the eye in that class? You did. Okay, so then real quick. The magic piece that I use to answer your question specifically, I have found a way to explain how your brain operates that I've never heard anyone explain. I've looked for it. I can't find it. I've talked to other, a lot of other professionals that are, that are what you would call personal development coaches or, or brain experts. And they are, they all are in their own right. But again, I go back to those stats. Over 80% of the people, 80 is the magic number for me right now, 80, 85, 80, 85% of the people that watch me explain to them how their brain works, get, and they start doing the base level habits. My problem was simple. Most everybody that's watching this probably has heard of that guy, Tim Ferriss, right? Tim Ferriss's book, Tools of Titans, starts with the most important habit you can have is 
over 80% of the, of the successes in that book, over 80% of them have a morning meditation habit. And if you look on page 507, he's asked, what about the other 20%? Oh, the other 20%, they have some other form of mindfulness habits or rituals. So 100% of the people that Tim Ferriss interviewed for that book and that Tim Ferriss's interviewed that he considers successes and he picked them. I don't, but there's, I think there was 250 plus or 350 plus that he con congealed into that book. 100% of them meditate. The question is, are you? If you're not, get this class. Start. And so what Clay's talking about is something that we have put together for only those people who are tuning in to this interview. And we called it profitable productivity. Now, Clay and I sat down for five and a half hours. And we laid down the step-by-step -step roadmap that you can take to hack your state of flow, to achieve profitable productivity. And we put it together in that masterclass for you so that you can take advantage of all of Clay's experiences. You can learn all of Clay's strategies and, and his methods. And well, maybe not all of them, but this particular, this particular vertical, you can get indoctrinated and, and you can immerse yourself into the state of flow. And you're going to find out what that state of flow is. You're going to find out how it's going to help you. And you're going to figure out how to use it to become profitably productive. And ladies and gentlemen, having been not only a co-host of that, but also a student at the same time, I can tell you that that has profoundly impacted my life in ways that I cannot explain. Besides, I'm getting more stuff done. I can get, in the same amount of time, I can get three or four times as much done, and I'm, I'm just in the beginning stages of it. So do yourself a favor, register for this masterclass. This is the only time that you're going to see this offer. And here's the kicker. We're not going to keep it open for everybody. There are a lot of people who are watching this right now who want to get into this masterclass. Okay. But we're only going to take the first 97 people. So jump on now before it closes. And we're not going to open it back up for probably another year. We haven't decided yet, but probably another year. So get in now while you have the chance. Clay, can you wrap us up, please? Can you hear me, Ben? Absolutely. Oh, nope. Can't hear you anymore. Can you hear me now? Can test, me now. test. Yep. Good deal. All right. So, Ben. 
so so I, I focused in on the number one habit. And the reason the number one habit is so important is is if you don't master your mind, you can just throw it out the window. You can. Now, a lot of people have unconsciously mastered their minds and mastered, like Ben used the word vertical. Um, if, if, if all you ever wanted to do in your life was be a, a, a motorcycle racer or a basketball player or, or all you ever wanted to be was an accountant, then, then you've probably, like I was in the Navy, you've probably gone through a process, school, or coaching programs and, and for being a, an athlete. You know, there's an athletic growth program, if you will, in this country. Um, you've gone through that process, and in that process, it's taught you to master your mind. You were just unconscious of it, and that's what happened to me. In the Navy, I learned how to master my mind to do that Navy gig. And then I had learned some stuff in the Navy, and so I mastered my next job and my next career, my next job and my next career, unconsciously. In other words, I went through the processes that were put before me, and I learned how to do what I was shown how to do. And that's what we're doing. We are literally, I have, I've become, I'm a 30 year plus veteran of doing that for people. And I'm very proud of what Ben and I have produced. And I'm very excited to be doing this. And I cannot emphasize meditate enough. And Ben, as we wrap it up, I want to challenge you. I think, and I don't know, you could, you could say maybe not now. You could say this isn't the appropriate time. You could say we're out of time and I'm okay with that. But you, you have tasted it. You have tasted what a mindfulness moment and what a true state of flow experience is. Could you share a little bit of it? Could you share, I don't know, could you share what happened? Could you share, can you connect what you went through and what you've experienced and how if you can do that now, now you see a whole new depth of what you could do during a work session absolutely what do you what do you see what do you yeah so what i saw in 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 this moment of i want to say moment of clarity that's exactly what it was it was something that i've i've never experienced before and to describe this moment i need to describe something else and that is when your mind is racing, it's racing, it's racing, it's racing. For example, you know when you're trying to go to sleep and you just cannot stop thinking and you have so many things going on in your mind and you can't turn it off. That is what I was trying to get clarity outside of. I was trying to remove myself from that situation. And in this moment of clarity, when I had hacked the state of flow, that noise was gone and i could devote 100 percent of myself mind body and soul to whatever it was that i wanted and i i literally had this experience this morning clay and i were talking about this before the interview 
And in that moment, I decided to focus on being happy. But you don't have to focus on that. You can focus on whatever it is that you want. So let's say you have to make more sales. You can focus on selling. Let's say you have an extreme desire to work on your relationship with your partner. You can focus on building that relationship. Let's say you have an extreme desire to learn more about uh, quantum physics, anything, any, you can focus on that. So it was an experience unlike that that I've had before, and it was brought on by something that I did consciously. I put myself into that state, and that choice to put yourself into that state at will that is the skill that this masterclass is going to teach you. That ability to direct that focus, clear out the noise, and to zone into something like you've never zoned into anything before to get clarity to be able to do that at will, that is what you're going to get from this masterclass. So I highly encourage you, click that button, register for the masterclass. We will see you on the other side. Clay, I want to thank you so much for coming on this interview today. It has been an absolute pleasure. To everybody else who's been listening, thank you all so much for listening. You know, this is why we do it. This is why we do what we do. So I love you guys. Clay, you're the man. Thanks so much for coming. And remember, everybody, this has been another episode of Project Egg, the number one podcast for educating and inspiring entrepreneurs to turn their dreams into reality. Have a fantastic day.